I'm not vaccinated yet, but a hundred million people out there are. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, this is not, this is not as bad as it once was. This could be good. Yeah. We know more about it now too. For sure. So, but that that first few months, holy shit, man! I was like, I was scared. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're taping right now at the end of March, and I am just now getting the itch to maybe go outside and do things again. You know, like. I You've been like staying inside the whole time. Three times I hung out with friends. Three times over the course of a year, and every time I got tested a week after I hung out with them. Really? Yeah, because I was wow. terrified by the whole idea of it. You know, like I know everyone's like it's only one percent, but that's a large number when you see how many people are testing positive a day. Yeah. You know, and, and you're like, oh no, no, it's still completely possible. If I, if I was one of the ones that passed away. I would still be in the statistics of the 1% and that would make sense. You know, like yeah. it's not like it would be, it would be sad, but it wouldn't be shocking. Yeah, it's true. Boils and down so, to, like, I don't want to die, obviously. Uh -huh. But then some of the other symptoms that people just kind of say flippantly, they're like, oh, he lost his sense of smell. No big deal. Or like his memory is a little foggy now. I'm like, I don't want either of those things. I yeah. love smelling shit. I mean, not, well, yeah, I smell, <laughs> even shit. I don't want to stop smelling shit. Yeah. You oh, know? tasting is my favorite thing. Yeah. Outside of stand-up, my next favorite thing is eating. I don't want to make that a benign thing. Could you imagine never tasting again? But that's the thing is taste is the one that everybody goes, yeah, I don't want to lose that. Smell is slept on, man. You use your smell. Smell is, out of all the senses, evokes memories the fastest. Okay, it, yeah, sure. It alerts you to danger, you know, gasoline, mm -hmm. uh, pheromones that we pick up off of people. We don't even realize how much we're using pheromones in our sense of smell and finding mates, you know, partners. Oh, my God. Uh, do you I know, would love a to study, know. There's a study of doctors actually mm -hmm. coming in, coma patients. They put a bad smell under their nose and a good smell, and they can tell how close they are to coming out of their coma by if the for the bad smell they take a short sniff and the long smell they take a long sniff so they can oh tell God. they're actually yeah. receptive to whether they like it or not so smell is so we don't even fully understand smell i love my sense of smell you're totally right because when you're talking about all this all i was doing was putting it right back in my mouth where you're like smell brings up memories and i'm like yeah long john silver smells like my childhood you know like i was <laughs> straight to taste but then also like at disneyland which i feel like i reference disneyland at every conversation i have Mm -hmm. they pump fake smells into those places so you have that feeling of that emotion when you're yeah. in the different areas whether it exactly. be like swampy you know so now you're believing the atmosphere more or it's yeah. vanilla so you want the cookies that stuff is artificially thrown in there on purpose because of how important it is you're right i never Pirates thought of the caribbean just johnny depp's cologne just inside uh -huh. there you know he's near <laughs> exactly yeah. they actually sell the pirates of the caribbean smell as a candle really what yeah, does that it's smell like chlorine <laughs> i mean <laughs> that classic pirate smell chlorine yeah, exactly chlorine and robot grease i mean it really that's the thing people are like it. oh i miss that smell you're like it's not the best but i understand that you guys take that smell and think of like that ride sentimental for sure. It's like if you grew up and your mom was a heavy smoker. Uh -huh. Smoke doesn't smell good, but you would probably be like, ah, cigarettes, mom. <laughs> right? Uh, okay. Yes. Very specifically, not my mom, but my grandfather. Uh, we call him Grandpa Wayne. 
used to smoke my whole childhood. He would go outside. And so somebody walking in with that, I just smoked smell, which is different than a cigarette smell. That reminds me of my grandfather, Wayne, even though he doesn't smoke anymore, that mm. I directly link to that. There you go. Yeah, for so for sure. It's not a great smell, but it does remind me of him. It's grandpa. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. What's the smell that you have directly linked to something else? Sometimes I'll smell like a specific type of plastic and I'll remember my toys when I was young. I don't huh. remember my childhood really well. It's weird. Like it's a big, I remember being happy, but I don't remember a lot of memory. But then sometimes I'll smell like a plastic and I'll remember being like four years old playing with my little G.I. Joes or my, uh, I used to have like one of those rollout maps that had like an overview of like a city and I would take my dinky cars and drive around the city, you know, mm -hmm. and yeah, I can sure. remember, I can smell that mat sometimes. I don't know exactly what the smell is of the material, but mm -hmm. smells can really take me back to when I was really young that I don't have any like, you know, visual memories of, I can go back to that smell. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah like when I walk into my grandparents' house, I smell their carpet. And you go, oh, yes, mm. I remember this carpet smell from when I was tiny. Um, wait, so I'm going to go back to your childhood that you just said you don't remember that well. So yeah. I'll, I'll understand if you don't have good answers to this. Do you remember the first time on TV you saw stand-up? The first time? We in Canada, Just for Laughs plays a lot. It used to be on mm -hmm. TV all the time. So I remember, I don't know, I, I don't remember the exact first time, but my earliest memories that are coming to me right now I remember seeing, you know, Mike McDonald, he's a really famous yeah. Canadian comedian. Mm -hmm. I, I remember seeing him a lot on Just for Laughs when I was young. He's, he's kind of awesome. the first guy that popped up in my mind. He had a great joke I remember laughing at so hard when I was young about how your house stairs always get way squeakier when you're coming home <laughs> trying to sneak in late at night. They yeah. just like get way squeakier and, and your like dad's hearing is like tuned to hear the squeak of the stairs. <laughs> I'm butchering it, but I just remember it. It's that for such sure. a like I think that kind of planted my seed of like the simplicity of like painting a picture. Like I remember that joke because he did the squeaks in the joke. He mm -hmm. told you what the stairs looked like. So like the more you can paint the picture of a of a joke, it really like uh, that's from when I was like seven, probably, and I still remember it. Dude, yeah, no, I totally. I remember watching Johnny Carson as a kid, just really? comic after comic. Yeah, because it was a, uh, it was still on till I was like eight, and How so there was you? like, I'm thirty nine. Okay, I'm thirty five. I don't remember Carson. Like I, not like being a kid watching him. I remember there was a whole like if when we heard the song, we knew that it was time to go to bed. You know, and our parents would shoo us up to bed. And they would watch it. But if they were watching it in the living room, we would sneak down the stairs and like peek around the corner and totally watch some of these things. Like I remember like some Larry Miller and stuff. And so like, you know, now you go into comedy and you go to the green room and he's just sitting there. I know. And you want to so be like, weird. I've been literally watching you my whole life. I would sneak into another room to watch you, you know, like it. Did you tell him that? No, no. The one time I met Larry Miller, I just kind of watched him as if he was on TV, like right there in the room. Like, It's so crazy. Yeah, I've met Larry Miller a couple times at Comedy and Magic Club, and it's so weird when these people from your TVs are sitting right beside you. It's mind-blowing. Or like Paul yeah. Reiser, mm -hmm. or, you know, I've gotten to open for Sandler a couple times, and you're just like, that's the craziest thing about this business. You're just like, 
you're fucking Larry Miller, man, or you're Adam Sandler, and you're I can touch you. I won't, but I can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's physically possible. It's rude, but I can do it. You know, I, um, uh, the show I did on Saturday was in Huntington Beach, and uh, Joe Coy popped by to do a, a set. And uh, I never ask for pictures with comedians or anything because I'm a mm -hmm. comedian. I'm like, I'm not going to. You just don't, right? Yeah. But, uh, but my wife is Filipino, and uh, her mom loves Joe Coy. And that's like the one guy, if I got a picture and sent it to her mom, she would be like, my daughter's in good hands. He really is a comedian. Like, he knows <laughs> Joe Coy, you know? Because I don't know if she, you know, she, she yeah. thinks what I do is great. But I don't know if she fully, all I know is that would have been the gangster move. She would have been like, fuck yeah, Joe Coy. Oh, dude, I get it. Like, there's yeah. a couple, like, I don't, I do, don't, don't do the picture thing either. I like you, you you're like, no. Oh, it's oh okay. sorry. I think I stuttered. Um, ah. <laughs> <laughs> but I also don't do the picture thing with comedians. But every now and then, like, my brother will be like, can you go get a picture with, with Polly Shore? And you're like, I don't want to do that to Polly Shore, but I guess I'm gonna. You know, yeah. like, I, I actually said no to Polly on that one. Uh, not to Polly himself, to my brother. I'm like, yeah, he's yeah. around too Polly much. Polly wanted a picture. You're like, no, Polly, I can't do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. He's just around too much. And so because he's, like, somebody that we have so much access to, it would be weird to be like, hey, a guy I see three times a week, I want to make it awkward for a while. Yeah. yeah. So I said no to that, but I told Polly that my brother was a huge fan. And now Polly doesn't know my name. He just knows me as the guy whose brother is a big fan. <laughs> well, that's fine. Yeah, no, exactly, which I'm totally down with. That's way better. Like, I ran into him out in the wilderness and out at a comedy club. He goes, oh, you're the comic whose brother's a fan of mine. And like, that's it. That's exactly who I am. I'm fine That's such being a funny that. thing to tell, because I was even thinking about this when I was driving home. I was like, should have asked Joe for a picture. And then it's like almost a slap in the face to be like, you know, my wife's mom is a fan. It's like, well, are you a fan? <laughs> you know, her mom. But, yeah, but I am a fan. I love Joe Coy, so I would have said that too. I got no problem. It's like this weird thing where like when they're bigger than you and, you know, mm -hmm. they're huge and they're amazing. It's like I have no ego with being like, I'm not like, we're the same level. We're not. You're Joe fucking Coy and I'm a fan. I'm okay with that. Yeah, but also it's like, when you first met Joe Coy, was he already yeah. Joe Coy or was he a guy that like was right about to become him? No, he was big already. I met him a few years ago. He wasn't where he is now, but he had already mm -hmm. had one Netflix special out and he was big. Yeah, because it's like when I met like a couple of comics, like we were like starting together. You know, like really? when I met Drew, yeah, when I met Drew Lynch, we were both working the door at Flappers. You worked the door at Flappers? With Drew? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was wow. Drew's replacement. So pretty much Drew trained me so he could get out and so he could start doing colleges. Huh. So it was okay. right around that time frame. But like my sister loves America's Got Talent. And so mm. she's like, oh my God, do you know that guy? And you're like, yes. You know, like, and so yeah. like if she was like, I know him as a can you get a guy. picture? No, I. At one point, I mean, I don't think we were ever quite peers, but we also aren't like. It's not like if I met Kevin Hart today, you know, like where you're like, oh my god, that's Kevin Hart. It's just like, oh no, look, there's Drew. Hey, Drew, how you doing? Everything good? It would be yeah. weird to be like, my sister's a huge fan. Can I get a Can I get a picture? You know, like yeah, like so. I, I feel have like that stand with up, some, but not others. I feel like stand up is a great leveling you know, the great leveler as well. Like if you're seeing these people all the time, 
they know your stand-up. I love the feeling of that community. That's true. You know, yeah. That was part of the great thing about, you know, working at Flappers is that you would see some of these people like a Paul Reiser or a Bill Burr would show up often there. And so, like, when there is, like, the random run-in or whatever, they're like, oh, you're a comic, right? And you're yeah. like, thank God. Thank God. Bill Burr ran into me at a donut store and said I'm a comic instead of just, like, you look too familiar. You know, like, that's, that's way you better. You talk about Bill Burr. That guy's had the best pandemic of anybody. He's fucking, he went from, like, beloved comedian to, like, cultural fixture. You know, he's in The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. He's doing Grammy yeah. spots. He's... He's huge now, which he deserves. He's, you know, one of yeah. my favorites of all time. But it's been crazy to watch his ascent. Yo, oh, you know, it's been great. I was trying to, like, when you were saying that, I was like, I think Nate Bargatze had one of the best pandemics out of anyone. Another Like, that's one. another yeah. one where you're just like, yeah. holy God. Like, his special Release just came out. Yeah. I don't know if you watched it yet. I haven't, no. Have you? It's perfect. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, he... Uh... It's weird because, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, Mark Norman, Sam Morell, they released specials and theirs were shot pre-pandemic. And I was like, what good timing because mm-hmm. everybody's so thirsty for content right now. Yeah. I almost feel like it's even better for him because now it's been a year. People are even, you know, thirstier or hungrier for content. So they both, you know, whether it was a year ago or now, both all three of those guys really, their, their timing couldn't have been, you know, they have such captive audiences just needy for new material and obviously they're all great oh for sure like yeah like especially like sam's came out like as soon as we were all locked down yeah it was and perfect. so it felt like it just immediately got all these millions of hits and i'm a huge fan of him although that's a guy who's only a couple years ahead of me but because i didn't come up with him we didn't know each other coming up i feel totally fine just being a fan you know like I'm- if i no, sorry. Go ahead. Didn't mean to cut I was you say, off. No, oh, it's fine. Uh, I was saying, if I ran into him, it, I would totally be like, hey, I'm a comic and a big fan of yours. You know, like, just kind of being like, that explains the obsession of watching his stuff and, like, writing down the jokes to be like, let's look at how he writes them all together. Yeah. I'm okay being a fan of any comedian. I'm, I really, I don't feel any competition or, or jealousy at all. I mm-hmm. do on the night of a show. I'm okay with admitting that because I want, you know, I, I live and breathe comedy and I, I want to be the best at it. So on a particular mm-hmm. night, somebody has a really great set and I know I'm going up after them. I love that feeling of like, oh yeah, well watch this. Like, it, not in a negative way, but like, oh no, know, that's just, that's just fun. Yeah, that's what that but is. the I actual, mean... I like the feeling of being peers in the overall sense. It's great. Oh yeah, no. I completely agree with all of that. Like if I'm on a show, I want to put on my best and try to be the highlight, but that doesn't mean I'm any less of a fan than anyone else on those bills. Do you do something to psych yourself up? Oh, it's the best. Uh, I, um, no, not really. I just make sure I'm super positive. Like, you know, I'm always trying to give off the vibe of like, we're just buddies hanging out at a bar. And, Mm -hmm. uh, so the second I come out there, I want to make it clear, like, we're gonna have a great time so backstage i'm like making sure i'm in a really positive headspace because i think when i had bad sets in the past it was because i was like this is a joke i want to do this is a joke i want to do and i was too into the mechanics of uh joke writing it's like you've already done that work now it's time to be an entertainer and be fun and make sure they like you and then they'll go along with you oh for sure i totally think the first seven years are learning how to be comfortable and likable 
you know, yeah. like, and you're also doing all the joke writing. And so that works out great for when you're up there, but you can't do that while you're doing that. Mm-hmm. It totally has to be a, a thing. Wait, so was this your first weekend actually back like in a year? The one, the show in San Diego on Friday was my first indoor show okay. uh, in a year. And then I've done a few outdoor shows. Like I did a couple of the week before, but I mean, essentially, yeah, there were months upon months where I did nothing. Maybe like I did two Zoom shows over like a four month period mm-hmm. from November to February. But yeah, it was, it was nothing. So I, it was hard for me not to like begrudge guys like Nate Bargatti who were doing these like you know, big drive-in tours and, and able to like cultivate that hour to be able to shoot a special. Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I could have done that. And it's like, don't be a dick. Like, you know, <laughs> he has a bigger audience. You just didn't. So there's no way you can't even think of it that way. But damn, if I could have been performing this whole pandemic, what a, what a beautiful thing to be able to be one of the few guys who actually came out with a new hour. Oh, but, I know. But that's just the way it is. Like you can't even, you can't even think that way. Instead, I'm like, well, what a treat it is that I was forced to take a break and now I get to, when it does open up, come back with like this renewed vigor and appreciation for what it is we do. How much new material you got? You know, quite quite a bit. I'd say a, a half hour that I really like. Like I did a half hour nice. a couple of nights ago and because I, I was testing it out on Zoom shows and everything too. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and I had 45 minutes of new stuff. I was close to have making my third hour like before the pandemic hit. Although most of that stuff I've thrown out. I don't know about you, but like stuff that I was thinking before the pandemic seems like 20 years ago now. I'm like, that's not, I don't want to do yeah, that. Yeah, some of it seems so trivial. You know, yeah, you're isn't just it like, weird no. to do trivial stuff now? Because we're comedians, we're supposed to be lighthearted, but it's like, it's been a pretty serious year. <laughs> it has been a serious year. And so much, we're in an emotionally different country. Yeah. When last this time last year, we had a completely different president and feeling about the lockdown that we do now. Mm-hmm. Although I knew that that was going to be the case, no matter how long the pandemic was going to take. That on the other side, we were going to be coming out of a cave with this feeling of now we see light. And so, yeah. like it was like, okay, how do? That's what we're going to deal with. I feel like the first couple months of coming out and actually doing these indoor shows is when the real gems of material are going to come. Even though I've been writing yeah. this whole time, you have I've been, been writing about, I have been, but it's all about like movies I've been watching or like interactions with my roommate and stuff, you know, like, yeah. or about, a lot about food. I've been writing a lot about food. Wow. You love food. Yeah. Have you had it? Oh too. dude. If you haven't had it, I suggest food. I love food so much. Yeah, I'm with you. So you it's like Ivan all Becker? That. No, I don't. He's a great stand-up. He's from Vancouver, Canada originally, but he, he lives in L.A. now, although he's back up in Canada. He did what you asked if I wanted to do. He went back up to Canada during the pandemic, but he's got so many great jokes about food. That guy, his brain just... And he's like a skinny, you know, not that you're not mm-hmm. skinny, but, you know, you would think somebody writing about food all the time would be like a ralphie may or something but oh everybody loves food yeah which by the way i'm not skinny i know i'm stout it's what my build is but you're not there's nothing i could do i wouldn't be like oh yeah aaron oh yeah yeah you mean the fat guy no no but i also know that it's like even no matter how much weight i lost i still have a very like a just stout build 
I just will. I'll just have big shoulders and whatnot. What was I going to say about him being skinny and food? Oh, I feel like a lot of comics are either obsessed with sex or food. It's one of one or the other. Hmm. Can't be both. Uh, very few. I mean, it seems like Danny DeVito found a way to, to bring them together. You know, I love both sex and food, but I don't feel like I talk much about either of them in my stand-up. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't think you do. No, but, I don't. I don't. I don't have a single joke about food. I don't think. Maybe I've been writing some sex stuff lately. I'm becoming less clean. I've noticed the pandemic is one thing. Is like I'm loosen that up for you. Yeah, I mean, I want to be real. All my favorite comedians are real. When I was younger, I liked like Seinfeld and Regan and those kind of guys. And then now, I mean, I don't really gravitate to that as much. There's a place for it. And I I mean, great joke writing is great joke writing. But I'll take like a a Burr or, you know, to go back, Richard Pryor, obviously, or Carlin over Seinfeld or, or Regan. Although I love them all, like I said, but. I don't think people think about that as much anymore. Now that we are going out and finding our own stand-up, like, you know, just YouTubing whatever people come up with, it's just about connecting more than it's about clean or dirty. Because back in the day, it was about you had to be clean to get on TV so people would see you. Mm -hmm. So without being clean, you couldn't even walk through the door to be seen. Or at least having those five to ten clean minutes for a couple tonight shows or something. Now that YouTube is out there, you know, like Andrew Scholes, I don't think has a clean three minutes but he's the king you know everything he yeah. puts up is millions of hits and so it's like everything that he wanted you would want from like the clean tonight show set he got from youtube yeah he really he is the king he really fucking we talked about people killing the pandemic he's right at the top of that list too oh for sure he was he did not realize how much he had perfectly set himself up for this pandemic year yeah yeah, those monologues he was doing that directly led to the Netflix show. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's a common thread with everybody we're talking about who's killed it. They, What's the common they've thread? Been, they've been working their asses off for years. If you've been following the scene, if you've been in it like we have, you've seen these guys. Just, they didn't come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know you know, story about Andrew Schultz? When I was first starting out in stand-up, I hadn't even moved to Toronto yet, which is where I started my stand-up career, you know. Uh I had done a few mics in Kitchener before I moved there. Mm-hmm. I opened for Andrew Schultz at a little coffee bar in Kitchener called Maxwell's in 2010 for maybe 40 people. He drove from New York to Maxwell's mm. in Kitchener. And, you know, he killed it. He was hilarious. But I'm like, that's like 11 years ago. He drove all the way from New York, like whatever that is, eight yeah, hours exactly. to Kitchener in the middle of Canada. Guy's been grinding forever. And... uh and I notice when people work really hard and become really good, it almost seems like whatever their next project is when they're ready, it doesn't matter. It just takes off. They they just have it. They've worked so hard to refine yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, and because of that, like I think about Daniel Tosh was given Tosh.0 at midnight on Comedy Central. How buried could you be to get an opportunity where they're just like, oh, yeah, but we're going to put it on a thing where no one's going to watch it. But because he was so ready, everyone was just like, oh, no, this guy's great. And it became this huge sensation and they had to put it in a better hour. Like, I just think that happens when people are just that ready. You can't bury a star. No, especially with the Internet now. Like, there's not there's no gatekeepers, really. I know. So there's no excuse either, though. Like, if you're not like breaking through, 
You're not like, oh, the powers yeah. that be won't let me. It's like, no, dude. <laughs> you have the ability to reach billions of people on your own, so you might want to think of a different excuse. I'm talking oh. to myself personally now. Oh, and to me. I, no, there's definitely... I think about that. I watched Tony Baker have no gatekeepers go, you know what, Tony, we're investing in you. He just did his thing on the internet and people noticed and went to him. And it was I just love like Tony Baker. I love him. Dude, I share his stuff all the time. He makes me laugh so hard. I find myself saying cram to myself just when I run into something or, you know, oh, exactly. I'm living lavishly, you know, like I'm living in this. lavishly. We He's hilarious. Like, oh, for sure. He was a guy that when I first came out here, he was crushing open mics. He was headlining doing colleges, but when he was back in town, he was doing three or four open mics a day, just kept working and working and working. And it was a guy that I looked up to from like the immediate beginnings. And so to yeah. watch that kind of flourish too, it's just like, a, oh, look, this can lead to this. Yeah. Just work um, and talent, of course. I was uh, making some Canadian jokes earlier today that I was going to ask you tragically hip questions. You know, okay. the big famous Canadian band. But mm -hmm. I'm going to flip it around about stand-up. So tragically hip, very famous Canadian band in Canada, not super known in America, under known in America. Some parts of Northern America, I think they have a bit of a following or quite mm -hmm. a following. But yeah, you're right. Pretty much a Canadian phenomenon. Yeah. And I was going to say what, comedian is the equal to of that we're like they're a canadian phenomenon really undervalued here i have the perfect answer for that i think i think it would be brent butt who is the star of a show called corner gas uh and the creator of corner gas and tremendous success in canada pockets of america love him too not small pockets mm -hmm. either he's got a, he's got an american fan base for sure but um super successful super talented and uh, I know him, you know, uh, I don't think he would be offended by me. I mean, there's no Tragically Hip is rest in peace, Gord Downey. That was the lead singer yeah. of Tragically Hip. So there's no way he would be offended by this. I would say Brent Butt is uh, the Tragically Hip of Canada. Nice. That's mm -hmm. what I wanted out of you. I wanted to know because I've never heard of him. And now I'm going to go look him up. Look up his set at Just for Laughs, I think in the mid or late 90s, about how hilarious it was that uh, Fabio got hit in the face by a goose on a roller coaster. <laughs> Just yeah. a great bit about how, out of all people, it's a male supermodel who gets hit in the face. If you didn't know, Fabio actually got hit in the face by a goose while he was on a oh, roller coaster. Oh, very aware. It happened at Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great bit. But yeah, Brent Butt, hilarious and very nice guy. And Gord Downey, the lead singer of Tragically Hip, was so nice, too. And I was actually at a bar in Kingston, Ontario. Uh, I was doing a weekend of shows there. And I saw Gord Downey a few years before he passed away. And before I even knew it was him, there was a guy and there was an aura. I was like, mm -hmm. that guy is a cool fucking guy, man. I, you know, and it turned around and it was Gord Downey. He had that. He was a star. You can feel it when you're in the yeah. room with the star. Oh, for yeah. sure. Like, I first found out who he was because they, some DVD said I had. Maybe it was like Live Aid or something had like some live footage and you're just like what is this guy what is he who how have i never heard of him till now and he knows how to command fifty thousand people yeah big yeah guy. like he was a showman he was a oh for sure it's like on that queen level where you're just like this guy was destined to do this for us 
not afraid of being weird too. That's what I love in a rock star or a comedian. Not oh, afraid yeah. of looking silly to make us feel good. Oh, of course, I want the weirdest, most androgynous things on stage. Yeah, I don't know if he was androgynous, but he was pretty. He, he was I mean, pretty no. Canadian masculine, but uh, weird <laughs> as fuck. Yeah, no, I mean, I would. The androgynous of the means tool. like. What does androgynous mean? It's like kind of genderless, right? Yeah, right. you kind of can't tell what you're really looking at, but yeah. you're mystified. Yeah, you knew you were looking at a bald Canadian man, mm-hmm. but he was weird and beautiful. And his last dying days were like he was raising money and awareness for the natives, the aboriginals in Canada and the plight that they've gone through. This man was literally like a week away from dying. And he was still like, mm-hmm. guys, we need to help the aboriginals in Canada. And when he died, I swear to God, dude, Canada, like the whole country tuned into his funeral and his tribute. It was like, it was crazy the love that poured out for that guy. Crazy when you can get that many people behind yeah. behind you. Yeah. Would you compare it to when Kobe died? Yeah. I mean, maybe, I mean, it's different because Kobe didn't touch people through music. So yeah, it's obviously you feel a connection to a basketball player, an athlete, but it's a different connection than a musician. In terms of the outpouring, yeah, but a bit of a different feeling, I would say. Nice. Yeah. When Kobe died, though, Toronto, we were at the hands of, like, his biggest, you know, he scored 81 points on the Raptors. Yeah. So as a Raptors fan, too, like, yeah, Kobe had an impact on Canada, too. He was, yeah. He had an impact yeah, everywhere yeah. that basketball's big. It's LeBron true. had that quote. He knew he was famous, but he knew that he wasn't that famous till he, when he went to can, uh, China with LeBron with Kobe. Yeah, that's when he realized what famous famous is. Yeah, and now he pretty much he is. Yeah, no, he's there. He made it. LeBron's he, made it. LeBron, we'll put who? that on the bed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> DJ was actually on my list of like top 10 comics I wanted to get when I started this show. DJ's fantastic. If you haven't checked out his Conan sets, check him out now. He's got multiple, and I think his first Conan is one of the best Conans just ever. So, super cool to have him. Thank you for doing this, DJ. You check out his Instagram, at DJ Demers. Check out his podcast, Definitely DJ, which you can also check out clips from that at his Instagram. And when I say clips, it's not just like how I put out audio clips. He has video clips as well. He's one step ahead of me. Uh, DJ is awesome. And kind of a funny little segue. How DJ was talking about sense of smells, the shit. And he loves his sense of smell. Our next guest literally is talking to us while she lost her sense of smell. She like opens up the interview with how she lost her sense of smell. And how she's... She's locked in her room with, with COVID uh, during the interview. She's since left the room. But next week, we have Jessica Michelle Singleton. And I love this episode. Jessica Michelle Singleton, I think I met her first three weeks of doing stand-up. And we've just always gotten along great. Very, very funny. Very unique. And it was a really good conversation. I can't wait to share that with you guys. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you, it's coming out next week. So, uh, spoiler alert, it's, I mean, I'm already plugging the next episode, but 
boom, next week, you got a good one. Jessica Michelle Singleton, DJ Demers this week, bam, getting some good ones. I'm now in the 80s of my episode, so now I'm thinking about, oh, what do I do for episode 100? So if you guys got any dream guest ideas for episode 100, let me know. I'd be curious, you know, like see if I can do any of them episode 100 dream guests. I got a couple ideas for some big ones. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, that's this. Thank you guys. Thank you as always. Uh, I'm at Aaron M. Marsh and everything. You guys uh, put up with me a lot. So thank you so much. So thank you for listening and thank you for putting up with me. Whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong Whether I find a place in this world or never belong I've got to be me